Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price-dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And of course, I'm joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? Buddy, it's getting close to crunch time here, man. I'm like, you know, it's starting to all make sense to me. Trade deadline's coming. I'm, I'm looking at my my team standings and records right now. And, uh, you know, I've officially could say I could separate the contenders from the pretenders. So I'm ready to dive in tonight and uh, help our listeners uh, get, you know, have success down the stretch. I saw some of your comments in the group chats and you you could tell the leagues that Dan knows it's over. Also joined by Mitch Sorensen, that is at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? What's up? I just got to text my wife, and she's asking why there's a $5 charge from Amazon. And I'm almost positive it's because my kid figured out his password. And so I'm like, go take the tablet away. But yeah, I'll figure it out after the pod. Hey, At least it's only $5. Yeah, because it could be a lot more with his games. But now that, that he figured that out, anytime there's a charge, hey, you know, he must have got into uh, league sync. That, that $500 charge, it must have been him. It wasn't me. I don't know what happened. Now, we have a lot we want to get through tonight. I've been debating. I've been going back and forth. And I, I guys, I want two minutes. That's all I want of your time, two minutes. But you know me. Anytime we're in a debate or a conversation, I'm Italian. I have to get the last word. And I've been like that forever. And it runs in my family. But we last week, we got an iTunes review on the reviews. You can't comment back. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use the show as my platform. A, a little frustrating for me. So the, the, the title of the review, and we, we've gotten a ton of, of great reviews, but the, the title used to be better. So right away, I was like, come on. But it seems like the host plugged so many things. And they honestly only talk about the top 50 players. Like, yeah, sweet. Talk Zeke or Chubb. Was hoping for more. Also, I get it. And Mitch, you said that you thought this was a jab towards you. You're in a bunch of leagues. Decent show. Really only worth listening to in the offseason. The host is really, really annoying. That one checks out. I'm going to say that that last part checks out. But anybody else that has had this thought, there is obviously a difference between our offseason content and in-season content. And if you don't already know, the three of us, we, we live, breathe, and die fantasy football and this show. And we look to give you the absolute best product week in and week out. When I see a comment like that, you know, and we get a ton of listener questions. And during the season, the players that get injured, the high profile players, yes, we spend a little bit more time on them and we're not digging as deep necessarily. But, you know, I, I just, it wasn't so much one person thinking that, but if it's other people thinking as well, that's kind of what got me. And I, I think a lot of people that pay attention to the show, they know that we, we go through injuries. We, we talk about the Zeeks, the, the Chubbs, as this person said. Uh, we spend time on George Kittle. But if those are the people that people in the community want to talk about, that's what we're going to address. I, again, it was just something that obviously caught my eye. And of course, I had to get the last word. So this is my opportunity to do so. But now, because of that comment, I was like, we're not talking about anybody in like the top 200 players this week because I'm petty. We, we all know that. So tonight, as you can see on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, under the radar assets. And Mitch, let's start with you. This can go any direction you want. Last week, we talked about the trade deadline and 
players that we were looking to acquire. But now there's a lot of leagues, the trade deadline, it still hasn't passed or there is no trade deadline. So under the radar, rebuild, contender, who's somebody on your radar? I had a lot of issues finding, I went to try to find a running back. And I don't think there is any under the radar running backs to go out and get right now that don't need like an injury to perform. We could say, oh, get Le'Veon Bell, but he's not really under the radar and you're not going to be able to acquire him. So one of the players that I have is going to be Devin Duvernay. And the reason why I brought him up is because now is the time of year you need to start bringing, looking at contracts going into next year. We know the salary cap is going to be dropping a little bit. So it's going to be harder to keep those veteran guys. Some like Willie Sneed is an unrestricted free agent next year. So he's gone. You could immediately see Devin Duvernay sliding into that slot, getting a little bit more playing time each day and going from his two catches a game that he's getting right now and getting up to four and five, which doesn't sound like a lot. But that's enough to where instead of he's a bottom tier guy on your roster, you're not playing. He is a really good flex wide receiver. And when you look at that offense, you know, we brought up Hollywood Brown nonstop, tons of arguments about him. But the reason, because there isn't anybody else on that team outside of Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews that are worth anything. But if you get some like Willie Sneed off the field and you give Duvernay that many more snaps, I think he's a really good buy right now. And I think you could get him for not a lot. I mean, he is an addition to a trade. You don't have to go out and be like, hey, I'm going to go out and get Devin Duvernay. You have De Devin Duvernay thrown in on a deal that you're already getting done anyways. And that's going to be a lot of the players we talk about here. And I, I don't want to jump the gun, but one player that I have is Cole Beasley. Yeah, he's not he's not young. He's not a sexy pick. He's not a sexy player. You know, nothing about his looks. I don't, we don't want to go there with Mr. Cole Beasley. But, you know, those are guys that you can get thrown in. And they're not necessarily going to be, oh, let me make you a one-for-one -one swap. Or here's a draft pick. And Devin Duvernay is a player most likely you're not going to ship off a draft pick for him. That's a trade that really isn't going to make sense. But as a throw-in, as an offer, maybe if you do a one-for-one -one where it's for an aging veteran that you're moving away, if a contender needs a depth piece, because depth is critical here down the stretch. Dan, taking a little sip there of his, what do you call it, your daddy juice? Is that is that what you call it? I got the daddy sodas going, man. Daddy sodas, you know, daddy sodas. As, as proud members of the Ross Tucker uh, podcast, that's what we drink, daddy sodas. <clears throat> You know, now if I get, I want to touch on your two guys. I think they're very interesting takes. I'll start with Cole Beasley. If you no, go no, no, back no. to the don't don't go with what? Cole Beasley yet, because I just mentioned his name, but I have a little bit more for him. So no, I'm going somewhere with this though. I I need maybe one of our listeners or, or you know John, maybe you can get one of our interns, um, you know, intern Nicole to come up pull up a graphic. If you look on the sidelines of Cole Beasley's hairdo. This last game, it is similar to John Bauer's new hairdo. So I, there might be something there. I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, but I won't, I won't go there. Um, Duvernay, I think, is interesting, Mitch. I almost put him in that McCall Hardman class. Like, you watch them. When they do get in the open field and have the ball, wow, they look electric. But then you just kind of wonder why they don't sometimes try to get the, the ball in their hands a little bit more. So I'm very interested to see how they develop over time. Uh, the guy I have, you know, I'll go with wide receivers. I'll keep on the trend here, even though you're saying Beasley's not officially your guy, JB. I'm going to go with Debo Samuel. Uh, you know, I'm looking maybe a little bit more of the upside to be a top receiver. When we went into this year, and I'm looking at my rankings now, I had this, like, cluster of, you know, 
right after Calvin Ridley, there was like the McLaurins, the A.G. Browns, the D.K. Metcalfs, the D.J. Sharks. And Debo Samuel was in that list, and we haven't gotten really to see him all this year. So I'm thinking of having the upside of those guys where you could probably get them a little bit lower, obviously, than you could get those guys. Metcalfs went off this year. McLaurin's been exciting. A.J. Brown's still A.J. Brown. We've gotten to see him in recent weeks. I, I just think I think San Francisco has just been a hot mess. And he's a guy that you could buy and really profit long term. I made a move where I'm not a contender. And it was, I moved James Robinson earlier today for Debo Samuel and Mike Kosicki in a two PPR for tight ends. And it's, it's a move that I, I love James Robinson, but in that situation, there's a chance I might not even make the playoffs. And if I do get in, it's not a contender. So I was okay making that move and getting that additional value thrown in. Because in most cases, if you're not a contender, I think Debo Samuel for James Robinson would be a perfect swap. I, I think that would be a, a good situation there. So a little bit higher up, but still somebody that I think is flying under the radar because of the injuries throughout the season. But I just want to go to Cole Beasley. So I wasn't, I, I said his name, but I wasn't quite done. John Brown may be injured here. They have a bye week here in week 11. Cole Beasley's target share, it jumps from 17 to 21% when John Brown is not available and that that led to a 17 PPR points per game. That's that's teetering on wide receiver one territory there for Mr. Cole Beasley, the little slot receiver that nobody has any interest in year after year after year. And if you're a contender, whereas Devin Duvernay, that's going to be obviously a rebuild situation. Or if you're a contender, but you still like his upside and you want to stash him, that you can make that move as well. So it's not exclusive to a rebuild. And then Debo Samuel obviously offer, offers the tremendous upside. But Cole Beasley, he's somebody that you're going to be targeting if you're a contender. And if you're rebuilding, I think there is an opportunity to move him or package him, like Mitch said, where he's going to be that piece that puts somebody over the edge that you can get a deal done. Yeah, John, you you mentioned, you know, when John Brown's out, and that's been kind of often, you know, he's performed well when he's out there, but when he's been out, Beasley's been a stud. And just going back in time, I'm thinking of my dysfunctional Cowboys when Cole Beasley wanted to leave, and he went on record saying he wanted he wanted the football more. And he's one of those, and he talked a little bit about the dysfunction in Dallas and how they tell who you're going to throw to, and uh, he's backed it up. You know, he went to a new situation, and, and he's produced, so I, I like that one. And then Kyle in the chat, I like this name, Gabriel Davis. Yeah. The issue is Cole Beasley, he's still going to be there next year, I believe. John Brown, he's still there. Stephon Diggs, he's obviously under contract. And we've seen this offense open it up more. This isn't going to be your typical Buffalo Bills-style offense, ground and pound. They've really opened it up. And I think a result of that is their defense not being as strong as it's been in recent years, but whatever the reason is as fantasy managers, we love it. We love to see things get opened up, but now it seems like Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, neither of them can really get anything going. And that's a completely another conversation, but everybody in this offense, John Brown, Colt Beasley, Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, as Kyle mentioned in the chat, they're all guys that I think could be targets here, especially if Josh Allen continues to improve. Uh, Mitch, what one more name here. And if you have a few, Go in depth with one and then throw out a few more. No, I just got one more. I'm going to go with Harrison Bryant. And a big reason for that is looking forward again. David Njoku has a six to seven million cap hit next year, and they could cut him for um, zero dead money. And so if you look at when Njoku's been out, when Hooper's been out, Harrison Bryant has already been playing time. 
him and Baker have already had really good games already. And if you look at how the Browns are running the personnel, like what we figured, they're running about the eighth most 12 personnel of the league. And we could see that moving forward that way because they're running that much, even with Njoku being injured and Hooper being injured this year. So I think he's another guy to where you don't need to go out and try. Like, I don't want to go and send a third round pick for him because then the other owner is going to know, oh, hey, he really wants Harrison Bryant. I'm going to go and I'm going to offer James Conner for... Chris Carson and Harrison Bryant, you know, and if I can move in the same tier running backs, but pick up that tight end as well, that's a move I'm willing to make. Yeah. Anything. And you're running through your tiers and I'm kind of doing the behind the scenes stuff with them. Spent a few hours over the weekend. And then I went back and checked and the hyperlinks weren't working because I messed something up. I did. I tried to copy and paste everything and everything got disoriented, but that's exactly why we talk about tiers and within a tier, if you can do a one-for-one swap and then get a small piece added, that's exactly why you do that and look at it from that perspective. So I like that one. Obviously, you know, I like Austin Hooper. We're not quite sure what that wide receiver core could look like next year. I know constantly we see the rumors about Odell Beckham. Is he going to be traded? Is he not? Is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be the asset that we've known in the past? That The answer might be no. And if that's the situation, with David and Joku possibly moving on next year to another team, they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel. You know, Mitch, you already covered that, but Harrison Bryant, he's somebody in that offense could flourish. And we know the tight end landscape. Heck, Dan, you could jump in at tight end right now and I think crack top 12 numbers. It's so bad. It is so bad out there right now. All right. So moving on from Harrison Bryant, Dan, tight end, running back, wide receiver, under the radar. Who do you like? I'm going to buck all that and go quarterback if I may, JB. You know, I like breaking the rules here a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I like that Mitch is in like deep seep, deep sleeper mode there and, and, and digging deep on his picks. I'm going a little bit more popular, but with some rationale here. I'm, we're looking at all these quarterback injuries that are happening. And there's been, a, there's been a good share, you know, some devastating for the year. Some were, you know, managing players without weeks. And, you know, we got rosters with Joe Flacco on it right now. That's how bad things have gotten. Um you know, the coach of me loves to just listen to GMs analysis, you know, certain, you know, deep takes on Twitter, watching Monday night football, man. Like if you're looking for a quarterback right now, all right, you're not getting the big dogs. You're not touching Mahomes and Lamar and Deshaun, Kyler Murray. You're just not getting them. So then you're like, all right, hey, the big prospects, Burrow, Tua, their popularity is through the right roof right now. You're not touching them. And then like everyone in the middle isn't always attractive. So my guy may not be be attractive to all but if you listen monday night when they talked about cam newton who I'm, has I'm genuinely excited right now because i honestly have no idea where dan's going yeah i, I, I am on i am on the cam newton train again because he has had i'm listening to ian Hart's talk about how he's had a lot of top 12 games this year as as much as new england has stumbled along the way his running upside and ability is there and the Monday night analyst talked about how much that organization loves him. The players love him. Everybody's on board with what he's doing. He's working hard through the tough times. The guy we know is in phenomenal shape. And I just think if Belichick and McDaniels love this guy, they're going to get the receiver position right eventually. I think his rushing upside alone can help you this year. And I think he's a guy you could be happy with next year. I think New England's going to give this guy a contract. I don't see them starting all over at the quarterback position when the organization's behind them. So I, I like Cam Newton as a guy to go get if he, once you know you're not getting the big dogs. Can I say that I might not agree with that one? And I'm not going to get I, all fired. That's okay. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get all fired up and and razzed like Hollywood versus Allen Robinson like we did a few months ago. But then I got that much needed <laughs> vacation, so I was set. I was set straight there. But for Cam Newton, I do have a concern. What happens in 2021 and beyond? You know, obviously, I think his lack of weapons. He's kind of in. He's getting a raw deal there in New England. But I, I just there is that concern beyond 2020. Mm-hmm. What happens now tomorrow if he gets an extension? He might get bumped up a tier or two from where he is, but right now he's, he's, but again, he's under the radar. So maybe if you do believe in him, he's somebody that you can acquire for more than a reasonable price, especially if he's somebody's quarterback four or quarterback three, or if he's on a team that might not be competing this year, but I'm not looking to acquire right now. Yeah. That was a good point that you brought up. It's definitely, you're going to be trying to get him off a team that isn't going to be in the playoffs this year. And really, if you're going to do it, go and do it this week because they play Houston. And we know in the dynasty landscape right now, if he has a 25-point game, you're not going to be able to get it. But I agree with Dan. I think he's actually a really good get for the rest of the year. Here, Mitch, it, me- to, to John's point, John, I love your point. Because, and it's for that reason that I think maybe I could get him. You know, right. If I named a different right. quarterback, I'm, I'm not getting him. So he's just a guy I could get that I'm not going to mind on my roster. I'm putting my faith in New England to give him that extension and build that offense around him. And I, I just think there's there's opportunity there. The opportunity is certainly there. And we always say things are price dependent. Well, mainly I say it. I, I shove that down everybody's throats. But it, if the price is right, sure. And Mitch, we talked about your tiers already. Who do you have him lumped with right now? If you, you know, if we were talking about the one-for-one swap with a Harrison Bryant type player, who, who's in there for you right now? Are you so frantically course, pulling it up right now? Of course, I always have it brought up, but I don't have it brought up today. So if I remember, he's right above Ben Roethlisberger, Breeze, Brady, that tier. So he's next to like Jimmy G, Kirk Cousins, those type of guys. Now, would it make sense, do you think, uh, if a contender, let's say a contender has Cam Newton as their quarterback too, you could maybe do a Tom Brady for Cam swap. Do you think that might be a possibility? Oh, yeah, I think you could do it. But you're moving within so close. It's right. just going to be personal preference at that point. Because I would rather have Tom Brady than Cam. But I could see someone else looking at Cam's schedule moving forward and being like, you know what, I want Cam for the rest of the year. And Dan, we have a question. What are you giving up for Cam? Let, let's, you know, whether it's picks, players, have you have you attempted this in any leagues? I have I've won them in a couple of places where I moved Dak. I got Cam plus. I want to be able to get a young, talented, wide receiver, stud guy to anchor my team on in rebuilding mode and then give myself a quarterback that I could fall back on next year. You know, looking this this week here, approaching the trade deadline, you know, a lot of those guys that Mitch mentioned are guys I really don't want to be with again next year. You know, whether there's risk in Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins is just never fun to have because you don't know what that Vikings offense is going to do. I just want to get that upside. So if I could upgrade that quarterback, I'm doing it. If I've got depth at running back or receiver, it really depends on roster construction to say what I'm giving for. I mean, there are rosters that I have that I, I am not interested in Cam Newton, but I just think in general, he's a guy that presents some opportunity if you need help at the quarterback position. I think we have to look around then because I might have him in a league or two that we're in together. So I'm going to make you put your money where your mouth is and we'll see what you're willing to move. And then right. we'll, we'll report back. Uh, of course um, we'll report back. We have to. And then I, I've, a few players here, a lot of players in Washington. 
Alex Smith, he has the most passing yards over the last two weeks. And again, we've talked about such an incredible story. Mitch, you have you have to like look at he played the Lions. The Lions can't stop anybody. So throwing for almost 400 yards against the Lions is like 200 yards against any other team not named the Cowboys. And they have the Cowboys coming up over the next two weeks. And it's slipping my mind, one of their other opponents coming up. It's not a high caliber defense, but then you look at some of the, and this is, these are deep players. Um, you know, we're talking about a uh, 12 team league where you have 11 starters, 12 starters. Hold, hold on. I, I see the challenge flag or, or a 14 team league, Cam Sims, Isaiah, Wright. Those are guys that are starting to get a little more involved where all of the focus is on Terry McLaurin. There are these guys that are getting on the field, Cam Sims, he wasn't healthy to start the season. He's finally getting back into gear here. I just think they present an interesting opportunity. Are they going to go out there and get you 30 points? No, but for a bye week fill-in, if you're plagued with injuries, maybe there is an opportunity there to get eight to 10 points. But in a lot, in certain situations, that might be all you need. I can't tell you how many games I lost over the last few weeks by two points, one point. I lost one game this week by 0.2 points. And it's because I started Nick Foles over Kirk Cousins. And I was, oh man, that one stings a little bit. But, and then Logan Thomas, but a lot of people have been talking about him. He's actually been pretty solid over the last four weeks. You know, in that tight end landscape, it's nothing to scoff at. Any production we get, we have to be grateful. All right, Dan, fire it at me, the red flag. It's an Alex Smith red flag here for Dynasty Fantasy Football. Now, if you had, you know, maybe and Teddy I, Bridgewater and this, and I, and this I have week. A I have a rebuttal. I have a rebuttal. If, you know, if you had Bridgewater and that's the, you just, you're desperate. And, you know, I saw you traded Marlon Mack in a league today for Alex Smith. That's the type of trade where, you know what, if I know I may need Alex Smith, okay, you, you know, you're, you're getting it for the rest of the season. But beyond that, JB, the guy is 36 years old. Like, I cannot see Washington investing in him beyond this year. This is a move where as a contender and in that league specifically, and I know people get rattled if we talk about leagues, but I have to bring it up because it's a real life example. Alex Smith, he's coming in as my third quarterback where my second option, I believe was Teddy Bridgewater. I think I'd have to go back and look or Teddy might've been my third option, but if he misses time, I want somebody there to be a third quarterback for me because if I'm making a push, I don't want to be in a situation where I have one quarterback, and maybe that's a Cam Newton that we've talked about that maybe I can't rely on. The negative game scripts, I that's going to help this Washington offense. Is it going to be pretty? No, it's not. But I even said if I had to, if I were a contender, if I wanted that insurance, I would go as far as moving a 2022 second if I had my 2022 picks available. That's something I, I don't think it's going to break the bank, but it's going to ensure my quarterback position and make sure – that I'm not rolling out one quarterback to, to finish the season here. All right. So, so guide me here and then let, let Mitch be the tiebreaker. So someone must've like, I don't know if it, out in the universe, they knew you traded Marlon Mack for Alex Smith. Cause in another league tonight, I was offered Alex Smith for Marlon Mack. Same exact trade as you. Now in the, in this league, I am in playoff contention. It's not one of my stronger teams, but I'm in playoff contention. My quarterbacks are, Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins, they don't light the world on fire. I do not have a third quarterback. I do have Dwayne Haskins. I have an injured Dak Prescott. If you're a contender, I, I, yeah, if you're yeah. a contender, yeah. So I, no. but if Carr and Cousins stay healthy, am I really going to start Alex Smith? Or are you saying, hey, protect yourself 
protect yourself. So there was a tweet today. I wish I could remember. There's been 54 positive COVID tests in the last seven days. That includes NFL personnel and everybody. I think there's been like 12 or 13 players. So it's progressively getting worse the further we get into the season. And who's to say whichever quarterback there is, isn't close to someone on a Friday that tests positive for COVID, then all of a sudden he can't play. So I really think it's a great idea to get that third quarterback, even though you might not ever play him. But it's for Marlon Mack. He might come back. I mean, at this point, he might come back and be the starter for the Colts next year. But, I mean, I think that's a risk you need to take if you want to win the money. I, you know what? I feel punchy tonight. I hit accept just now, just nice. on behalf of you you two guys, my brothers, my dynasty brothers, and, and we'll see how it plays out. If Marlon Mack becomes a stud next year and Alex Smith retires, each owe me a, a daddy soda, all right? Yep. Love this question from Jeff, and this is one of the guys over in Ireland. He said earlier that it was after 2 a.m., so we definitely appreciate you staying up and, and hanging out with us tonight. But, Dan, would you not trade Dak to a rebuilding team and turbocharge? I like that word turbocharge your team going into the playoffs or maybe you've attempted it and it just wasn't there i've done it i've done it as painful as it is you know and I, I might the only thing i've made sure i've done is take guys with next year when Dak, if Dak's lighting it up again i'm not going to be crying a year from now well no you know, I, think, so I, I think he means in this particular situation where you moved alex smith just now for marlon mack you mentioned you have Dak on that team I'm going to say no, because in that league, I have Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr, and that scares me to death next year. Like, I do not want to be miserable with – and I like Derek Carr's upside a little bit. Like, if the Raiders are trending, he's kind of like one of those sleeper guys we're looking at tonight. But I'm not going to go to the bank on Derek Carr by any means. Um, so, no, I, I need that franchise quarterback next year. And then thank you, Seth, in the chat. He says Washington plays Cincinnati in Week 11 and then Dow. So Cincinnati was the team slipping my mind. So but I, I just think it, it is much I, – I can sleep at night if I can shore up that, that quarterback position. And, yes, again, I might lose a little bit of value and definitely the longevity. This is not a move I'm making thinking Alex Smith is the future. I'm not thinking that. I'm not saying that. So I, I don't want anybody to walk away from this conversation with, with, with that in mind. But I think if, if I need a third quarterback, I'm willing to pay that price – just in case, especially if I'm one of the top teams in the league and, and I need to shore up that quarterback position. And then two other names, Marvin Hall, Mitch, you kind of, you looked at, we talked about this before the show and you gave me this look because you are a Detroit Lions fan mm -hmm. and somebody mentioned uh, Quintez Cephas in the chat. And that's a great one because all these guys, Marvin Hall, my guy back here, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, they're all free agents after this year, including Marvin Hall. But over the last three weeks, he's ran 30 routes per game. He's been on the field in the six games prior. He ran 35 routes total. So Marvin Hall, this is it's it's a player that you can get as a throw in. But if Kenny Galladay misses more time over the last three games, nine receptions, nothing crazy, but over 200 yards and a touchdown. So again, if you're just looking for that bye week fill in, it's a deeper league. Marvin Hall is a player that I would be interested in, and he's going to be 28 going into free agency. So, you know, going into the 2021 season, if he's 28 years old, so a little bit older, but if he lands in a decent situation, you don't need to keep him on your roster. Maybe we get that Tyrell Williams to the Oakland Raiders at the time value spike and, um, you know, or just any of these, these free agent wide receivers where we get that perceived value spike. And then Josh Reynolds, 
the schedule opens up for them in terms of defensive efficiency for the passing game. Uh, he's actually in a similar situation to Marvin Hall over the last three weeks, just over 200 yards, a touchdown, but he is seeing at least 70% snap share every single week. And he's been up there with Robert Woods and Cooper cup for routes, run targets, opportunity, you know, again, he's going to be a free agent after this year, but a little bit younger than Marvin Hall, as I mentioned, he's going to be 27 going into the 2021 season. So again, if he lands in a nice situation where he can maybe be the wide receiver too, you could see that value bump. Any issues there? Uh, Mitch, still not okay with Marvin Hall? Marvin Hall's fine. I mean, I think it's a this year play only kind of guy. He's going to be a back end of the roster wide receiver. But I actually really like the Josh Reynolds call. I think it's a really good one because the first, what, three or four weeks of the season, we saw Van Jefferson getting all the snaps. Right. Then I think they decided maybe that's, he's not ready for it. And then we've seen Reynolds ever since. He's done great. I watched a lot of that Rams against the Seahawks game, and he was open the whole game. And so I think he's a really good get right now. He has 27 targets over the last three weeks. So it's not just he's on the field. It's not just he's running routes. He's being utilized in that offense. And it's one of those situations. It's the, the Rams and Steelers are kind of similar in a sense that they have so many weapons. We don't always know who it's going to be on a weekly basis. And especially with the Rams, it seems like it's switching constantly. You see Cup, you see Woods. Mitch, you're jumping in there, changing the graphic at the bottom. So we're going to transition right into listener questions. I feel like that was the equivalent of me going up and accepting my Oscar, and Mitch has the sign, like, wrap it up, wrap it up. <laughs> and and I, I played the commercial. It's time to go. The, the music is playing, and trust me, it, it's critical for you guys to, to keep me in line here. So we're going to go to a few listener questions that have popped up over the last few days, whether it's a DM, a, a tweet, whatever the situation might be. But Dan, I want to start with you. What have you seen, if anything, from uh, J.K. Dobbins to make you feel a little bit of concern? We all knew that 2020 might not be his year and 2021 would. But is there anything you've seen that eh, maybe you're a little bit lower on him now than coming into the season? It's a good listener question because I think owners out there everywhere are looking at Dobbins and Alaire and Jonathan Taylor and questioning what they have. Um you know, you know how high their stock was at the early in the year and throughout the early part of the season, and it's not that right now. But as far as J.K. Dobbins specifically, personally, I don't have any concerns. You know, watching the games weekly, watching film, uh, you know, he's holding on to the ball, he's showing burst, and I think it's just one of those situations where you have a three-headed monster. You have three good backs, and you have kind of a struggling pass game right now. You know, it's, there's there's nothing free in that run game open. I think teams are making adjustments on Baltimore this year. Things are not as easy for them, but they're a well-coached team. They're a good organization. Mark Ingram's not getting any younger. I know Gus Edwards has kind of been playing well. I, th I think Dobbins is earning his rookie wings, and I think the future is still bright for him. For J.K. Dobbins, and I moved him in situations where I wanted to package up maybe for a piece that could help me in 2020 and, and beyond, but primarily this year. But when you look at elusiveness and, you know, different metrics and measurables on PFF, he's number four of all running backs with at least 50 carries. So he has shown the ability to avoid tackles, make people miss. He's eighth in yards after contact per attempt. And we all know that that stat can be a little bit skewed if you have one or two long runs. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you, Leonard Fournette or Derrick Henry in previous seasons second in breakaway percentage he can like i said make the big play and he's been significantly better given the opportunities that he has than gus edwards who has been efficient 
but we're not seeing that big play potential. And he's been so much better than Mark Ingram. And I love Mark Ingram. I really do. He was a guy I loved in 2019, but so far this season, when he's on the field, he's not doing much. The big issue, and we knew this was going to be an issue coming in because the way that offense worked and with Lamar Jackson not utilizing the quarterbacks in the passing game, he's run 141 routes, 19 targets. Mitch's man, DeAndre Swift, 143 routes, two more, and he has 39 targets. That is the edge that we're looking for, and that's the difference. DeAndre Swift, he's a, what, top 15 running back in PPR right now, and that's the difference that's going to separate those guys between being a higher-end asset and maybe a mid-to-low running back, too, that it's going to hinder his value. Mitch, J.K. Dobbins, any other uh, thoughts, concerns? I think Dobbins is what maybe the running back who's played out exactly like what we thought it would. I mean, even with the Ingram injury, he's still not seeing the field as much as kind of what we expected. We expected this year just to be his learning year. And he's seeing the field enough to where we could see he has talent. We want to have him on our teams moving forward. But we know next year is the year that it's going to matter. To me, he is Nick Chubb. Not like the same talent as Nick Chubb, but the same situation. A guy who could end up getting 200 carries, but the one thing that will hold him back is Lamar Jackson could end up running in three or four touchdowns a year. That will take away from Dobbins' upside. And then, like you said, the passing game usage. And so while I see someone like C.H. and Swift having that really top five potential year in and year out, I think Dobbins is a guy who has top 12 potential, and that could end up being his floor. And then the years to where he gets eight or nine or 10 touchdowns, that's when he's going to end up being in that RB1 territory. But I mean, there's no reason to move him at all right now. Or if you can acquire him, I think it's a great time to do it if people are down on him a little bit. Dan, let me ask you, because obviously you bring the coaching perspective in that that background. Lamar Jackson, I, I, there was an interview and he said that teams know the plays they're going to run. Like they're calling out the plays at the line. And we heard this with Greg Robin back in San Francisco. I believe it was the jump from year one to two with Colin Kaepernick. And it was a very similar situation. Is there any concern there that they become so predictable or do you think they can turn it around in that regard? I think they could turn it around. I mean, but I think there's, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire there a little bit, you know, that, he does feel that way. He is hearing some things, uh, but a lot of that you do hear that often. So I'm not, I, I have so much faith in coach Harbaugh. I don't read into that too much, but Greg Roman does have to figure things out. I'm a little bit curious of, you know, what's missing in their wide receiver core that also factors in on that. Uh, you know, Marquise Brown's not doing what, you know, I hope so touche JB, you get that one, man. Uh, you know, he's just not producing like a wide receiver one. And I'm wondering, hey, is he a wide receiver too? And this team just needs another wide receiver threat bad. And of course, I, I, I get on you with the Hollywood Brown stuff, mostly to get a reaction. But I, I did not think he'd be producing the way he is. I, I, I even thought it would be better. Mark Andrews, there's something going on there. And whether it's Lamar Jackson just looks significantly better last year in the passing game, or you know, maybe there's something going on. I, I, I don't know. I, there has to be something and people could say, well, it's because Lamar Jackson's a running back and all that stuff. It is concerning. And J.K. Dobbins, the, the usage, it, it needs to improve because he has shown that he has more burst and explosion than the other options there. And there is a question that just popped up. And I love this one because it ties into another question. So one question we got 
on Twitter. Let me scroll here. And Mitch, this is one that I, I threw over to you. Mm-hmm. But who is your running back to okay. in the 2021 class? And then they asked, should you draft him before 106 in rookie drafts? And we're going to look at that from a super flex perspective. But then we're going to tie it into Jeff's question here in the chat. If you could handpick a 2020 rookie running back to anchor your team going forward, who would you go with? And would you have Najee Harris or Travis Etienne next year above him? So again, that kind of ties into the 2021 class. So start with the 2020, the 2020 portion. I'm all frazzled because my screen is grayed out here. I don't like it. I'm squinting. Honestly, you could give me CEH or Swift and I'll be happy. Those are the two right now. If I have one or the two of them on my team, I'm extremely happy. I will actually go with Clyde Edwards Elaire because he is attached to Mahomes for the next three years. So doesn't matter what happens. We don't even know if Stafford's going to be on the Lions next year. I think he's going to be, but there's a chance that he's not. So maybe that offense isn't as good next year. And so I think Alaire is just the smart guy to have. But when we're looking at the running backs in 2021. Wait, really quick. So just for confirmation to reiterate, you would take Clyde Edwards Alaire and DeAndre Swift yes. over next year's rookie running backs. Oh, yeah. It's and that's what I'm gonna get into now. So and going into 21, you have Najee Harris and you have Travis Etienne. And then after that, it's just kind of blah. And so a lot of the talk on Twitter is Najee Harris is the running back one. Travis Etienne is the running back two. Personally, I don't know which one's one or two right now. But what I do is I start to listen to the NFL guys come February and March. Listen to Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, um, Mel Kuyper. They might not be able to put the back to the correct team, but they'll know which back is going to go first. Like they knew Clyde Edwards-Alaire was going to go first last year. And then when Sony Michelle went to the Patriots, they knew he was actually going to the Patriots and they knew he was going to be a back that came really early. So I pay a lot of attention to what those guys say. But as far as where the second running back is going to go, I don't think it's going to happen before the 106 next year because you have Lawrence, you have Fields, and you have Lance. You would figure they would go in the top six. And then that doesn't include Chase, Waddle, or Bateman for the wide receivers, right? So you're at six guys already there. That's not including Zach Wilson. And then if you're in a tight end premium league, that's not including Pitts or the other Titans behind him. And so I think there's a decent chance that running back two, depending, because it's always, you know, depending on the landing spot, who knows, maybe he goes to a really good situation next year. But if that running back two just goes to Tampa Bay or whatever, um, and, you know, it's just not a really elite situation right now, then I could see him dropping into the 109, 110, 111 range. Now, I think, I'm not saying it should happen, but you know the way running backs fly off the boards in these rookie drafts. I think he, the, the running back two will be going before the 106 in super flex leagues even. Now, should it happen? Uh, I'm not saying that. And I honestly, I, I don't know the answer to that question. But I think we're going to see whether or not people want to admit it. We see a lot of people drafting for need in rookie drafts. People always say draft for value. And in startups, that certainly is the case because it's most likely happening early in the off season and you have plenty of time to adjust, but in rookie drafts, uh, people, even though there was that time to adjust because it's probably happening in May, people are still drafting for need. And I think that's going to, to come into play here. You know, hopefully we provided some, some insight there, but I do think Deandre Swift, it's just, 
it is so crazy how this rookie running back landscape or the running back landscape in general, but the rookies as well, it up and down, just like you're saying, Mitch Swift and Dobbins right now, people would prefer them straight up over Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards, a And if you asked two, three months ago, it was completely flipped. And then we talk about running backs and good landing spots. We thought that was Jonathan Taylor to the Colts. And again, that's another conversation. So uh, Dan, before we move on, do you have any thoughts here? I just add game film wise out of those rookie running backs and even being a Georgia fan, I was, I was down on him going into the draft, but what I've seen this year, Deandre Swift looks the best out of all of them. I've just, I've been able to see some big runs. I've been able to see him receiving. We know we love the receiving aspect in, in, uh, in fantasy football. And then, you know, this last week, he's just trucking people. So I've watched him run around guys, over guys, catch guys, like he's just doing it all. So he's got a great opportunity there. So he, he's kind of taking the lead for me with those rookie running backs from this year's class. And the only reason he wasn't hyped to begin with was because of that landing spot. We all know that. Everybody looks at Detroit, the, the bust history, and the way that Matt Patricia is utilizing those running backs in a committee. If he would have landed in Kansas City, oh my goodness, his stock, and anybody that would have landed in Kansas City, their stock would have skyrocketed. And Swift also came off kind of an off-senior year in Georgia, and I, I just think their offensive line wasn't what it was cracked up to be in his season, and he just didn't explode like everyone anticipated. So he's, he's sneaky good right now. Mitch, I want to stick with the rookies here. And this was kind of, it was a loaded question, so I kind of drilled it down to the meat of the question because somebody, they must have had a conversation in one of their leagues, and they, they got a little route up. And I don't know what that's like because I've never been route up no. in my life. But the question essentially, and we can go through this kind of quickly. Dan, I see you over there. But Mitch, Cam Akers or Antonio Gibson in Dynasty? And this question, they were frazzled. They said, why is the community viewing Cam Akers as a better Dynasty asset than Antonio Gibson? So I'm assuming this was based on a conversation this person had. Take luck. It's really the only reason you could have Cam Akers over Gibson right now. And I was someone who wasn't high on Aker or high on Gibson coming out. I wasn't that high on Akers either, but Gibson coming out, I was looking at him just kind of a gadget guy. If you watched him at all, if you watched two series of Antonio Gibson on the field this year, you would know he is going to be a really good running back moving forward. So I won hundred percent Antonio Gibson Cam Akers is someone who's going to be really hard to have on your team moving forward because Daryl Henderson isn't going anywhere. Malcolm Brown is also vulturing touchdowns. We've seen that. Yeah, I think they have Malcolm Brown for two more years, if I'm remembering right. And so that's a three-headed attack. And so right now, I don't think you could even play Cam Akers, and I don't see that changing moving forward because those other two backs aren't leaving. What Sean McVay is doing is the bane of every fantasy manager's existence, but it is so smart from a real NFL perspective. You're using the three different running backs and you're getting them involved. You don't know who it's going to be. It's almost like the Bill Belichick effect. Who's going to punch in the touchdowns. And this last week, it wasn't Cam Akers, even though maybe he didn't look bad. And you, you look at the numbers and the metrics and measurables. And we talk about elusiveness. He's been at top of the, not just the class, but top of the NFL in that regard. So he's been okay. But is he going to get that workload? And we've talked about their wide receiver core. You never know who it's going to be. So it just seems like it's going to be like that for a while here. Um, Dan, I don't have to ask you this. You you were on Antonio Gibson this offseason. And Mitch is the, the hater, drinking the haterade. But now it seems like even he is coming around a little bit. 
Yeah, I'm happy Mitch is coming around. I like his take there. You know, I know we had that user comment that McKissick isn't going anywhere, and and that McKissick's McKissick. He's going to get some catches, but yeah, I don't think he's a long term answer. He's kind of like one of those eleven targets and a half. Oh, it's crazy how many targets, 14 total last week. But, you know, Mitch saw him in Detroit, and he's kind of a role player. I think he'll run his tenure there in Washington, and then he'll go elsewhere. But the best ability is availability, and Gibson's been there week in and week out, where Akers we have not seen enough of. So, hey, I I loved him going into the draft, and he's done nothing to prove me wrong. So Gibson all the way there. And for me, uh, we, we talked about it, the the lack of utilization in college and the workload. And I, I hate to always use that term, but the Swiss Army knife, we kind of thought that was going to be Antonio Gibson. And, uh, you know, uh, going back to the under the radar guys, if you're a contender and you're in full PPR, throw out something for J.D. McKissick, because especially if he's on the bottom of a roster of somebody that's not contending, you could probably get him for a reasonable price. And again, if he can get you 10 PPR points on a given week, that's going to be a solid situation there. Anything else there on Gibson, Cam Akers? All right, so one person, they were curious, and I thought it was interesting, but John Ross came up. Hold, buy, sell. He he wanted traded. He he wanted released. That that never happened. And now he's collecting dust. And yes, we've had the injuries over the last few years, but when he was healthy last year, he kind of popped. He had that little stretch that he was a reliable receiver for what, maybe three weeks. I don't know, but uh, hold, sell, buy. Mitch, start with you. This could probably be pretty quick. No reason to have him on a team. You could cut him because no one's paying anything for him either. So you might as well cut him because what? Really, what are you going to trade him for? I mean, there's no one that's going to be like you know what? I want to have John Ross on my team. He was overdrafted to begin with. He hasn't shown anything i mean i don't see a reason to have him on the field or i'm sorry on your team so while he might see playing time as a wannabe ted ginn i just don't see any reason to have him on your rosters and then i'm sure somebody will call out call it out and dylan in the chat thank you for this malcolm brown's contract is up after this year signed a two-year deal and a free agent here after 2020 and I would much rather be called out here in the chat and double checked because you know somebody's going to listen back to it. It always happens. Yeah, well, without you, a doubt, you were wrong on that, and you know it happens. I, I want to start doing. Is it um part of the interruption where at the end of the show they say all the things they got wrong? Yeah, it is. Yep, I like that. For us, it might add another hour to the show. <laughs> it, it could be like the extended version here. Dan, I I don't want your input here on John Ross, but it goes to something Mitch said. He said basically cut him. And it actually leads in very nicely to another question. How long do you stash players on your dynasty team before giving up on them and moving on? Uh, is that answer four years like John Ross? Our, our listeners rock, man. They they have great questions there, good comments. You know, Malcolm Brown, who knows if they re-sign him or not or if they sign someone else. Um, but, you know, I think the key here is one, roster construction, and two, just – don't cut them based on emotions. Don't, you know, have reg- don't drop a guy that you're going to have regrets when, you know, I drop him and then Mitch or JB pick him up later and then next thing you know, he becomes a relevant player. So I think the answer to the question is, you know, what does your team need? You know, there's nothing wrong with keeping a guy on the bottom of your roster even if it is a John Ross. You know, I, I had Jakeem Grant on a lot of rosters. You know, some I cut him, some I kept him. Do I care that I lost him? No. Did it hurt me that I kept him? Hey, he's kind of a little bit relevant now for a few weeks this year as the the starting slot guy in Miami. So, you know, 
It really depends. I mean, there's all those kind of fringe players, you know, the Darrington Evans, the J.J. Taylors. You know, they might be something next year. They're not hurting you at the bottom of your roster. So it really depends on who. There's there's a lot of scenarios there, J.B. I'm laughing to myself here because there are some rosters, 16, 20-team leagues that I'm in, and I actually I have free agents on my rosters. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I still have Dante Moncrief on a few rosters. <laughs> and, I, and I know he was just signed by, was it the Patriots? You know, as a, a practice squad player. But they're, they're, I, I have Delaney Walker on a few deeper teams. And, and I, I him, baby. Right. We know that Dan's stashing him. But there is no harm in stashing those players. And I always get, I don't want to say it's not frustrating, it's not angry. But when somebody reaches out to me and they're like, hey, John, should I cut so-and-so? Okay, well, who's out there? Who's is there anybody that you're looking to pick up? I mean, if you're looking to get a, a three for two trade done, maybe just throw them in. But I'm not one to cut players if if there's nobody out there on the waiver wire. Now there are some teams where you know maybe I acquired depth throughout the not just this season but in years prior, and the bottom of my roster it's turning over very quickly. And earlier this season, if it's tight end premium, maybe I was looking to pick up a. Uh, Drew Sample or a Dalton Schultz or whoever. So, yeah, uh, JB, I like to even add like Kyle Bannon said, you know, JJ Taylor, next year replacement. Seltzer, I can't. <laughs> you know, JJ Taylor is a guy that you hang on to because, again, you got to look ahead a year from now. Who are the teams? What happens when a Malcolm Brown goes? What happens when, when you know, one of those New England Patriot guys go? You know, a guy we liked early in the year was Trent Taylor in the beginning. You know, we knew he, the Niners loved him the year before. We thought he had potential. This year, he got every chance underneath the sun in the slot and did nothing with it. So I, I'm done with Trent Taylor. Again, depend, you got to look ahead a year or two and look at their age. Absolutely. But again, I'm, I'm just saying, if there's nobody to drop them for, there's no right, sense yeah. in just dro- dropping a player. Mitch, do you have anything there? Or do you just want to uh, yell about John Ross some more? No, you're good. You're good. You guys covered it. <laughs> and I don't even know what Ben's comment means. JB's hair is a seltzer. I, I just can't decide which one. Now, now what it's I because you change your hairstyle all the time. I mean, it was bald two months ago, and then something happened that I don't really know what this is. It's it's something. It's something. You know, I, I actually I was thinking to myself because this last one, it was like it was out of control. Mitch and Dan have had the, the same haircut since we've started the show it has not changed and it's like every other week yeah i i'm, I'm doing something different you know, keep people on their toes um michael thomas that's a question that came up i i tried to offer him i'm not a contender i tried to move him for t higgins and what's going to be late first in two leagues it was declined in both situations michael thomas he's a hard He's a very difficult wide receiver to move right now, as if he wasn't before, but now he really is. Yeah, I think before Aaron Rodgers, last year was the hardest dynasty asset to try to move. And now I think it's Michael Thomas now. Because Michael Thomas, skill-wise, he's still a top five wide receiver. But no one is willing to give you top five talent form right now. And so if you have him on your team, like you're not going to get the two to three first round picks that he's worth. And so he's almost someone to where you just have to keep him at this point because I don't see anyone willing to, I mean, I don't see anyone going out there and giving you Justin Jefferson form right now, even though I would do that deal in a heartbeat. I would get Michael Thomas in an instant, but I honestly don't see a lot of people offering that to begin with. 
in, in my yeah, league, I, I, I haven't seen Michael Thomas get moved recently. I, I think the, I just, the buy and sell values are way they're they're far apart right now. You guys are both right on there, and I would just remind our listeners to be careful. I mean, how many times have we seen, whether it be DeAndre Hopkins, whether it be Devontae Adams, even Julio every year, everyone gives up on him, and they bounce back with an elite year. Like, they are elite. Mike Thomas is elite. He's just going through a little funk. So I I think, like Mitch says, you you just got to wait. You got to hang tight before you sell. Now, if Jameis comes in and somehow Michael Thomas blows up for a few games, even if it's sprinkled with a few interceptions from Jameis, which I think a lot of us are expecting – Hey, to start off, he was six for six this last game yep. when, when he came in. So maybe it's a brand new Jameis Winston, and it could really rejuvenate and and get Michael Thomas's dynasty value back up. I think we worked through all of the questions that came through the the chat. You know, we're trying to keep up here. A lot of great comments in there, and there was a comment that I really like here. But Kyle says he would love to see a show all about roster opportunity costs because he thinks that's. He thinks it's about most valuable asset nobody's talking about. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, but when we're talking about the opportunity cost, you know, not just making a move where you're trading for a package and maybe you have to cut some players depending on who it is from your roster. But we always talk about it with startups also. You know, yeah, you might want to be able to take a quarterback early in the super flex draft or a tight end early and tight end premium. But what's the opportunity cost? What are you missing out on? And I think that would be a really fantastic off-season show that we kind of get into because guys startup season is right around the corner i i don't want to get too antsy because dan i know you're doing dfs all the way through the super bowl but once christmas hits and week 16 is in our rearview mirror i'm all about startups i i mean i cannot wait john you are like my son who like wants the next new toy before the, like the other toys even out of the box yet like we haven't even gotten to the playoffs and you're ready for you know startup drafts oh my lord <laughs> love the passion though that's why we're dynasty theory that's a- I, i'm, I'm just it. looking at the, the, these comments here and um everyone's it- a big fan of john's haircut big uh, fan the hat the hat is going on next week <laughs> i maybe i'll just i'll do the show like this where it's just like the bottom of my face here. God, so, so it's movie style hair there. He just like his wife could run her, her fingers through it. You know, it's, it's, it's movie star. Look, he got going tonight, JB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys, because it's, it's kick John while he's down. Final thoughts. Dan, we got to start with you here. Final thoughts. What do you have for our listeners? Or you're not jumping the gun early. Like I am in a startup season. So maybe you have something else for our listeners. It's two final thoughts. Just I'm going to stay with the hair, man. You know, for me, it's military haircut every three weeks. It's starting to get long. I, you know, I die for that hair, JB. I can't do what you and Mitch could do with your hair there. So kudos to you guys. Um, but hey, just a little reminder. We touched on it last week in Dynasty Theory. Trade deadlines. It's coming, man. Make sure you look at when that deadline is in your league. It varies in different leagues. Don't forget about leagues. And uh, hustle, hit, never quit, man. Make those rosters better. Keep trading. Every week I say how we have the best listeners and the chat is always blowing up. I I revoke those comments because now I hate every single person in this chat. Just (laughs) so, so next week you guys have to get on Mitch or Dan about something. All right, Mitch, what do you got? All right. So I'm just going to piggyback up what Dan said, but look at your quarterbacks right now. If you have quarterbacks that won't be a starter next year, now is kind of the time to try to move them. If you can, I'm going to bring up drew lock. 
Drew Locke isn't going to be the starter for the Broncos next year. Like it's, it's over at this point. There's a guy like if Nick Foles comes back, if we hear this next week that he's healthy, you could probably still trade him and get a piece back for him because he will be a starting quarterback, you know, for the next few weeks, but he won't be a starting quarterback next year. So this is kind of your last opportunity to get out of these guys. Cause even if they are a starter next year, you never want to actually start them. So if you actually move them now, I think it's a move you need to make. I I agree. We we talk about the, the changing landscape and the quarterback landscape. It's going to be changing. I feel like it's more widespread every single year, and it's probably going to be even more impactful here, of course, in super flex leagues moving forward. But since everybody got their digs in, on me and that's fine that's fine if i can provide entertainment whether it's my looks or, or whatever i've been called worse so you know of course we want to thank everybody for tuning in make sure you follow the show on twitter and instagram at dynasty theory ff stay safe be kind to each other even my hair and have a great night